Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been officially confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Judge Jackson was confirmed by the Senate last Thursday, April 7th, cementing her place in history as the first Black woman to be a member of the nation's highest court. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, Marcy Buckner is here to discuss Jackson's appointment, when she will be sworn in, and what it could mean for healthcare moving forward. Howdy, Marcy. As I just mentioned, the Senate has paved the way for Judge Jackson to be sworn in as Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. So... Could you talk a little bit about her judicial philosophy and maybe what we might expect from her? Yes. And it's important to note that Judge Jackson does have a bit of a different background than we've seen in quite some time on the Supreme Court. So it's been since Justice Marshall that we've had someone that had a background with being a public defender. She's also been a corporate litigator, which in my eyes, thinking about healthcare, and we'll get specifically to healthcare in a few minutes, this probably signals that her interest will lie more with the consumer than looking at some of the corporate angles that could be taken when looking at healthcare. She also is not what we call an originalist or a textualist. And I'm saying text, U-L-S, so T-E-X-T. And what that means is she, when interpreting the Constitution and interpreting the law, and specifically the Constitution, an originalist is someone who looks at the original inspiration or reasons behind wording in the Constitution. And it's wording that's used very similarly with being a textualist. So looking at the specific text of the Constitution and interpreting it word for word. Like I said, she is not an originalist or a textualist, and this will also make a difference. But when we're we're talking about Judge Jackson, you have to kind of also think about why she may not be an originalist or a textualist. And in thinking about that and thinking about the way that the Constitution was written, the environment in which the Constitution was written in, a lot of things have changed. When the original text of the Constitution was written, someone like Judge Jackson was considered three-fifths of a person. So things like that are going to shape her decisions because she's not going to look at um, the original language of the Constitution the same way as others on the Supreme Court who are originalists, who are textualists. She's not going to interpret things the same way that they are. So once Judge Jackson is on the bench, are there any prolific healthcare cases on the horizon that she would be weighing in on? In the next couple of months, it's expected that the Supreme Court will rule on a number of cases that touch on healthcare. One is a dispute between 340B covered hospitals and CMS over reimbursement rates for outpatient drugs. There's another one that also will touch on CMS, which is a whistleblower suit 
for Kaiser Permanente that they have allegedly systematically overbilled Medicare. There are a number of lawsuits that will look at mergers between different healthcare entities. Um, Some of them are hospitals, some of them are drug manufacturers or others. There's also one that looks at a Florida Medicaid program. And then I think one that's going to get a lot of attention will be one that is a case against drug manufacturers. And it's a, there's a, a long list there of what drug companies are involved, as well as PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, and looking at the inflated price of insulin drugs. I think lastly, an issue that I think many people across the United States always have their eye on the Supreme Court to possibly bubble up. But here, there are a number of states that have passed laws restricting access to abortions, and those are expected to go before the Supreme Court very soon. Those are all cases that shall be on the bench for when they are brought to the Supreme Court. In your opinion, how might she rule on potential future cases regarding the ACA? Right now, we don't have any that are bubbling up quite to the point of going to the Supreme Court. We do have some cases that are related to the CAA that may find their way there that are touching on the surprise billing rules and whether the regulations, the way that the administration wrote the rules, whether they are written in the spirit of what Congress passed in their legislation. So that's something that could potentially come up again, not ACA, but CAA related. And then ACA related, something that we talked about last week is the administration changing the definition for affordability in order to attempt to fix the family glitch. And like I said last week, there are expected to be challenges in the process of how the administration moved forward with this. And because of that, depending on what challenges we we do see, what lower courts do. And again, it's only been a week. So this could take, you know, quite a long time if and when it ever gets to the Supreme Court. But that could be something ACA related that she would be on the bench for. She has not had any rulings in the past that have been ACA related. So we're not able to go to some of those previous cases like we were a couple of years ago when we were talking about Justice Amy Comey Barrett being confirmed and some of her past rulings that we could look to to kind of read the tea leaves on what she could possibly do on an ACA case. We're not able to do that here with Judge Jackson just because of the circumstances of the the cases that she's heard. However, obviously she was nominated by President Biden. He would have had these conversations with her on, you know, her feelings about the ACA. And then It's also important to remember her background, and and we'll talk about this in a few minutes as well, but when it comes to healthcare, her husband is a surgeon. So you also have to kind of think about how that may just change her lived experience with being married to a healthcare provider and what he has seen on a day-to-day basis with the delivery of care and access and cost of care and how he shares that with her around the dinner table when he gets home. What is the partisan makeup of the Supreme Court, and does Judge Jackson's appointment change that? Judge Jackson's appointment does not change that. So currently we have six justices that were appointed by Republican presidents, 
three that were appointed by Democratic presidents. And so that will not change because Justice Breyer, who she is replacing, is a Democrat, was nominated by a Democrat president. She will take that seat. So that makeup will not change. It will change a few other things, though. It will add a third woman to the Supreme Court. And it will also add a third person of color to the Supreme Court. So those are some things that will change where we won't see changes in the partisanship of the Supreme Court. However, I will say that even though Justice Breyer is appointed by a Democrat and here we're going to have Judge Jackson appointed by a Democrat president, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a one for one switch off. You have to think about Justice Breyer and once again, thinking about lived experiences, his age, his background. He even as a Democrat may view certain challenges that come before the Supreme Court very differently than Judge Jackson may. Justice Breyer was also someone who was known to try to find compromises amongst the justices. And that's not to say that Judge Jackson won't but she may not be willing to make the same compromises that Justice Breyer made. So all of these things are are other aspects to keep in mind and not just strictly looking at the 6-3 division that we'll see on the bench, even with Judge Jackson joining them. Did you know that registration is open for NAHU's 2022 annual convention? Join your colleagues from June 25th through 28th in Austin, Texas, at one of the most innovative, productive, and fun meetings that you will ever attend. We are very excited about our new NAHU Marketplace, showcasing innovative new products and services. If you want to make yourself more valuable to your clients, this convention is where you need to be. Registration is now open for in-person and live stream options. You can register for the event and view the preliminary agenda on NAHU.org. Register now. So when will she be sworn in and begin hearing cases? She will be sworn in after Justice Breyer finishes this session with the Supreme Court, which will end later this summer. So many of you remember oftentimes in at the very end of June, beginning of July, you get massive messages from us at NEHU alerting you to any new decisions from the Supreme Court that will touch on healthcare. So that is when most of the decisions from the Supreme Court are released mid-year, right smack in the middle of summer. And that is when technically their, their session ends. And so she will be sworn in after that. That's also why I've been calling her Judge Jackson and not Justice Jackson. She becomes Justice Jackson when she's sworn in. Since she hasn't been sworn in yet, we are calling her Judge Jackson. And we will refer to her as Justice Jackson after she's sworn in. So, of course, we've mentioned already that Judge Jackson is going to be the first Black woman on the Supreme Court in our nation's history. She was also the first Black woman to even be nominated for the position. So what do you think this means for our nation? Well, like I said earlier, this is going to change the makeup of the Supreme Court. So now there will be three people of color on the Supreme Court. There will be three women on the Supreme Court. And the difference that this is going to make also reminds me of something that we were talking about, Dan, a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing the different 
committees and working groups for NEHU. And we were talking about the DEI committee. And I mentioned that part of diversity, equity, inclusion is not just looking at gender and race, but also looking at the different communities that are represented in the different backgrounds. And here, Judge Jackson is going to bring a different background to the Supreme Court, which is kind of also what I mentioned earlier in this discussion. And that different lived experience is one that's shared by many people in this country. So it's important that that voice be represented so that we can feel as though the decisions that the Supreme Court is making, the decisions that different policymakers are making, are informed by more of the lived experiences of people in this country and not just one demographic. So before the 2020 election, when we last spoke about Justice Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation, many folks thought Democrats may attempt quote-unquote, packing the court, so to speak. Democrats currently hold a majority in both chambers as well as control of the presidency. So do you think this is still a possibility? I don't think it's a possibility under the current circumstances. I think some folks, when they were talking about stacking the court, were concerned that President Biden and the Democratic-controlled Congress would try to expand the Supreme Court, meaning adding more justices. And then by doing so, while Democrats had the majority, then they would be able to fill those seats with Democratic appointees and therefore, quote unquote, stack the court. We don't see any traction or any proposals to actually expand the Supreme Court and add justices to the bench. So that thought process of of Democrats stacking the bench is not viable. That's not happening. Also, with a 6-3 split currently, remember, justices are a lifelong appointment. So they either choose to retire, like we saw with Justice Breyer, or in some cases, and, and we've seen these quite recently with Justice Scalia and Justice Ginsburg, where justices have passed away while serving on the bench. And those are ways in which an an opening presents itself on the Supreme Court. With six Republican seats on the bench now and and three Democratic appointed seats, for Democrats or President Biden to be able to get a majority on the Supreme Court, we would have to see a lot of turnover. And in the current environment, it's very unlikely that any of the justices that were appointed by a Republican president are going to resign, right? Because they know if they resign, then their seat is going to be taken by someone who's nominated by a Democratic president, by President Biden. So really the only way that some of these Republican seats would open up is if a justice does happen to pass. And it would take two unfortunate events to change the makeup to the point where there would be a 5-4 split in favor of Democrat-appointed justices on the bench. So the likelihood of of Democrats, quote-unquote, stacking the bench is very unlikely in the next two and a half years, which is what we have left of the Biden administration. And then we can kind of revisit where we are after that when we see who who is in the White House and who has the majority in, in the House and Senate, and also revisit the health of those that are are sitting on the bench and what vacancies could arise. But 
to answer your question very bluntly, it's very unlikely that that will happen. I also just want to caveat that I do feel very uncomfortable talking about justices as Republican or Democrat. They are appointed by Democrats or appointed by Republicans. Even though we talk about a partisan split on the court, they are not to serve a specific political party. I was reading some other scholars that were saying their black robes are so they're not wearing red robes or blue robes. They're there to interpret the ruling of the law. And so I do want to point that out just in, in light of that conversation. I don't mean to assign political parties to them, just really referencing what party had nominated them. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So what are we toasting to this week? This week, we are toasting to the high holy days that are happening this weekend. We are celebrating Passover, Easter, and we are in the midst of Ramadan. So we'd like to recognize this important time of the year for those who celebrate these holidays. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.